Welcome to the QAV podcast. My name is Cameron. This is a weekly investing podcast where I chat with my friend Tony. Tony's a very successful investor. He's been doing it for about 30 years. His returns on average are about double the market over that period of time. And he's able to get those returns because he developed a system of value investing that we call QAV, quality at value. How do you find good quality companies and how do you buy them at a discount to their intrinsic value? It's basically a scoring system. We look at the fundamentals of the companies and that's what we teach our club members. Uh, In terms of the podcast, we have a free episode each week, goes for about half an hour. That's what you're listening to now. We have a longer episode, usually goes for an hour to an hour and a half. And I'll tell you more about that at the end of the episode. Anyway, let's get into this week's show. Welcome Welcome to QAV, TK. Uh, This is episode 703, 16th of January, 2024. You're living in a very bare-looking room there, Tony. (laughs) You've been robbed. Don't talk about the war. (laughs) <laughs> we haven't been robbed. No, we've been we have been cleaned out. Uh, yeah, getting ready for our sales process, and uh, yeah, I mean we decluttered, which is probably the biggest benefit of presenting the property. Mm. Um, we've had stylists in bringing different furniture in, um, different furniture to what I would have picked, but uh, it's personal taste, I guess. But at least the place is themed. Is it now? Is it is it a reflection on you that they replaced all of your furniture with something that is crappy? <laughs> well, I didn't say crappy. I have said crappy to them in the past, but they took that stuff away. Um, oh, right. Yeah. I, yeah, possibly. It's personal taste, but, I mean, it makes sense. Everything's decluttered. It's all themed with the same colour scheme, and it's all low profile to highlight the views. I've been to your place many times. I never came away thinking it was cluttered. <laughs> <laughs> no, I know. I know. I know. Anyway. Lots of art. Lots of art and lots of uh, yeah. glass yeah. blown pieces and stuff, well, but definitely not cluttered. No. No. Well, the theory is that you're meant to basically present a blank canvas so someone can walk in and mentally say, oh, I can put my art there rather than saying, hmm. I, I don't like that art or something like that. So you want to focus them on the people, space. People buying $10 million apartments don't have enough imagination to be able to think that through for themselves, you know, wonder what it would look like. Oh, if we only get $10 million, I'd, I was, I'm not going to sell. I wasn't. <laughs> <laughs> I, I was uh, not wanting to, you know, throw a real number out there because it might have yeah, heart attack. If, if any of our listeners want to put a bid in for your apartment. Uh, yeah, yeah. Should they contact yeah. you privately? <laughs> Send you an email? Uh, Adam Regan, he's our real estate agent. Oh, okay. Come via me and I'll take my cut, then I'll pass it on to Adam Regan. <laughs> well, good luck with all of that over well, the next uh, thank you. week, Tony. It's like no, a- you don't get a cut because that was, that's been part of the process. It's like um, the real estate agent asked us if we had people who we thought might buy the place. Uh-huh. So- um, otherwise he gets a commission and I'm like, he, he gets a commission on the sale. And I said, well, you should carve out someone that we bring to you. And he said, sure, give me their names. So a list of names of people who might be interested. And was I one so, of them? Um, if you bring, <laughs> if you bring someone to us, I'm not paying your commission and the real estate agent, a commission. Oh, okay. Right. Just me. Fine. I get it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Uh, all right. Well, 
Let's get into market news, Tony. Uh, markets had a bit of a nothing week. It's kind of gone up and yeah. down and gone really nowhere in the process. I haven't looked uh, for Oh, it's had a bad day today. What the hell? It's gone right down today. Um, there you go. Shouldn't, shouldn't have looked. <laughs> <laughs> what the hell happened today? I I, oh. I knew the, oh, the, the Finn this Iowa morning. caucuses, perhaps. Yeah, the Iowa caucuses. <laughs> Donald Trump won the Iowa caucuses. <laughs> the share market has already collapsed. Uh, I did see in the yeah. fin this morning they were saying it was going to slip, but uh, that's more than a slip. That's a that's a dip. Oh well, back to where it was roughly uh, the eighteenth of December a month ago. So there goes that end of December rally. Thanks, <laughs> thanks for getting our hopes up, market. Um, yeah, it's like it's like some when I was a kid. Sometimes I get Christmas presents and I'd lose them in January because I'd done something wrong and they'd be taken off me again. <laughs> Well, they do uh, wrong, ASX. Uh, Come on. Does that still happen? <laughs> Jenny, take away your presence. <laughs> uh, no, she doesn't. Oh, QA, portfolio report, uh, the dummy portfolio. When I looked at it this morning, I don't know what it's done today, but it was still tracking along, slightly less than double market since inception. Over the last seven days, it had been up about just under 1%, while the uh, STW was down slightly, 0.1%. But uh, the big winner for us in the last couple of days had been SUL. SULs had a bumper couple of days for some reason. I think you've got that down as a note to talk about later on. What happened with SUL, yeah, so, Tony? Yeah, well, don't talk too soon because I think it's down today. But no, uh, it is they too. released a trading update. We're in con- we're in confession season. That is something to talk about. So yeah, right. Uh, next month. February, which is fast approaching, will be the company reporting season when we'll get busy and crunch our numbers uh, based on the results for the last half. Uh, And so companies who are already seeing graphs of those numbers um, are obliged to update the market if they have um, something to to tell the market, which um, is different to, to what the consensus in the market is for the numbers that they're about to release. So Super, uh, Super Group came out a couple of days ago and said that they were doing better than consensus and so the shares went up, but I think they're down again today. Yeah, with everything else. But, yeah, be aware of it. It's going to be a thing for the next couple of weeks that shares could bounce around with those kinds of announcements in uh, confession season. Well, shares have been bouncing around quite a lot. I think we're all used to that, shares bouncing around. Mm. Uh, well, that was the big winner anyway for us in the W portfolio in the last week. Uh, the Stockopedia W portfolio is down a little bit in the last week for some reason. The US W portfolio also down a little bit, but still outperforming the uh, S&P over there. Somebody did ask me during the week for a list of the US stocks that I've put in our portfolio which I sent, but I also posted those today in the blog post. So if people are interested, you can have a look. But mostly a lot of shipping and banking and finance uh, seems to be what uh, the list is throwing up in the US. So, yeah, I think 75% of the US portfolio is made up of those sorts of stocks, which is interesting. Banking and finance we're used to, but... I'm not used to buying shipping companies. A lot of shipping companies, and a lot of them are Greek shipping companies, things like that, oh, Cyprian really? shipping companies. Okay. Mm. Um, so well, well we don't have any of those in Australia, do we? No. Not Maybe that I know of. Yeah. Speaking yeah. of results, Brent 
Brent posted his results uh, to the Facebook group this week. And as always, uh, when Brent posts his results, they're always stellar. Uh, he's outperforming the dummy portfolio for this financial year so far, as well as for most of the previous years as well as my own portfolio, et cetera, et cetera. He said, uh, just updated my performance for the first six months of this FY. Roughly 35% of the return consisted of dividends. Happy to beat the market as I've held 33% of the capital in cash. It's a lot of cash to be Ooh. sitting on. Star yeah. performers were HLI, FPR, SUL, LYL, and DTL. What surprised me, if I look at the inception date, I just nudged a double in under three years. Wow, thanks, Tony Cam in the group, which means that in three years, he's basically got 100% return on his portfolio, mm. which is what QAV should deliver, right? The rule of 72 every three, three and a half years, yep. it should basically double. Um, yep. And so I emailed Brent and said, look, everyone's going to want to know what you're doing differently to the mm. rest of us. And he sent me a reply, which I I just got before we went to air. So I'll read this out. Hey, Cameron, a few points off the top of my head. So I'm, right, I'm working while I write this, so very basic. Tell my secrets on the free version of the podcast so everyone hears it. All right. One, I read the <laughs> annual reports of the businesses on the score sheet before I buy. I like to look at their historical performance, try to understand their business, try to gauge their history of capital allocation, try to understand if there is some competitive advantage slash moat slash great asset. Two, I look for stocks with buybacks. In my investing career, I've never seen so many listed Australian businesses buy back so many shares. Feel free to jump in whenever you want, Tony. Three, I don't follow the 10% sell rule if there's no bad news. If there is bad news, I'll consider the impact and may sell, but most times I'll wait until the business reports earnings before I make a decision. Five, on the other hand, I'll sell some low-quality businesses that have appreciated in price and I believe are at fair value slash or overpriced. I don't necessarily wait for it to fall back to the sell line, e.g. GRR, SSG, and MHJ, Michael Hill Jewelers. Uh, four, hold on, we went three, five, four, and then five. Okay, so there's might be a issue. <laughs> <laughs> what, what, Brent said he just work. What's he work at? <laughs> Look, he, uh, uh, his returns uh, obviously better than his uh, numbering system. Uh, four, I continue to hold the coal stocks. The dividends have been substantial over the past 18 months. Five, again, nearly 50% of my gain was in one business, which I put about 15 of my capital into, percent I guess that means, GRR. Bought for 34 cents and sold for $1.40 and collected 24 cents in dividends along the way. That's the reason for my 30% return in the year the ASX dropped. Uh, by the way, if I go back to his financial year returns, his inception date is January 21. Financial year 2021, so he's only invested for half a year there, 21.29% return versus the or AXJOA of 8.4%. 22 financial year, he got nearly 36%, and the uh, index went down 75 23 financial year up 8.5% versus the index up nearly 15%. And then so far this financial year, he's up about 12% versus the index up about 8 
So he said that one year GRR really was a massive outperformer for him. Six, I don't necessarily buy from the top of the list. I use it as a screener and I'm really looking for an anomaly. Seven, buying businesses with low liquidity doesn't bother me. Example, ASG and KPG. Eight, I'm comfortable double, triple sizing a position when there's an obvious pricing anomaly. Nine, I check lease payments in the financial reports and back that out of the operating cash flow number. Lease payments are a cost of doing business, but are reported in the financial section in the cash flow statement. After backing these payments out, you get a higher price to cash flow. It helps me avoid some businesses. 10, I do my own checklist on each business I intend buying. I add scores for buybacks and ROIC. I add scores for business moat and capital allocation using my own knowledge and ideas. I remove lowest PE consensus target from my checklist. 11, cannot rule out luck and timing. This is not a recommendation (laughs) that listeners follow these ideas. And then he's got, below is a list of what I own and what I've recently sold. I haven't sold much in the past financial year. So I actually uh, don't know which is which here. I think this is the list of stocks. I think this is his portfolio. Um, NHC, WDS, YAL, TER, Whitehaven Coal. FPR, KPG, TER, NWS, ASG, NHC, YAL, ASG, SUL, S32, YUK, oh, sorry, VUK, HLI, MQG, WAF, AFG, WALYL, WGC, and CITC. No, sorry, DTC, Data3. Um, so that's that's quite a lot of stocks there. That's like 20, 23 stocks in that portfolio. Yeah. Um, and the ones that he sold recently, GRR, um, IGL, CBA, uh, NAB, CCP, CIA, Helia Group, uh, KSL, VEA, Qantas, uh, NIC, JBH, WAF, STO, uh, CCP again, and CRN. So that's uh, so you know uh, you've always said uh, feel free to modify things yeah. and tell us how you do. And Brent, as people may remember, six months ago Brent was on the show when he and his dad went over to the um, uh, Berkshire mm-hmm. Hathaway AGM. Good timing. Uh, got to see Charlie at his last Berkshire AGM. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, he's a serious, serious value investor, Brent, and uh, he's made some modifications and is doing very well out of it, Tony. That's great. Well done, Brent, and thanks for sharing too. And um, I guess my takeaways, and I haven't, I didn't see your email by today before this, but my takeaways from that are that, you know, I should look at um, putting some scores in the checklist for buybacks um, potentially and for ROIC which I think were in there, and potentially look at removing lowest PE and consensus forecast. Uh, they were the sort of, out of all the things that you said there and the answer from Brent, they were the things that I think are hard, can be hard-coded. Um, potentially, the, he, he said he is flexible with the 10% sell rule. So, um, you know, I've, I've been trialling a 20% sell rule myself because I think, the 10%'s been whipsawing us over the last 12 months, so there may be something in that. Um, 
I would love to know more about this concept of anomaly. Because you said he'd, he'd look for anomalies on the checklist. Um, that'd be good to know what he means by that. Um, be good to know more about, he said he double-sized some positions. So was that was that done on the first purchase or does he buy something and then decide to buy more? And what are the thoughts and rules around that? Um, and then I think the, what was the other thing that we were talking about there or that he talked about there? Lease payments. Uh, yeah, backing out the lease payments, I think, was one to look at as well. So some good good thoughts there. I'll do some research on those. Thanks, um, Brent. Yeah, good job, Brent. Um, and thanks for sharing. Much appreciated. Yeah. By comparison, I did the dummy portfolio performance by financial year. Um, FY20, uh, we, we were up 4%. We started sort of halfway through that year. We were up 4% um, versus the STW down 7 uh, FY21, we were up 48% versus the STW up 265 That was, you know, the coming out of COVID year. COVID. Absolutely yeah. killed it. FY22 down. Go- Sorry? Sorry, I was going to say, and going into COVID too, we got out at the right time too, I think, and set it out for a month or two. Yeah, right. FY22, we were down 1.5%. The STW was down 7 FY23, we were up nine and a half, and the STW was up 15. And so far this financial year, we're up about nine, and the STW is up about seven, according to Nevexa. Um, so, mm-hmm. yeah, we've outperformed it. Um, well, yes, outperformed it four out of the five periods. I think FY23 was the only one where we didn't. Um, But some people on the Facebook group said their performance over the last few years has been nowhere near as good as that or Brent's. Mm. Um, Alex and Stephen haven't had good results. As I told you off air, I've been trying to do my super results using Oz Super and I can't make sense. Their reporting is just a complete mess. And uh, I emailed them to ask some questions and was told that it'd take five business days for them to reply to my email. So I spat the dummy and just downloaded everything out of their system and put it into Nevexa. According to Nevexa, um, my inception date for the super portfolio is um, August 21. That's when I moved everything over to consolidated my super into Oz super and, and could um, manage it directly. Uh, FY22, I was down 5%. STW was down 10 10.5% in the same period after inception. FY23, I was down 2%. It was STW was up 15. And year to date, FY24, I'm down 1.5 and it's up 7. So, you know, my performance in my super portfolio is nowhere near as good as the performance in the dummy portfolio, mm-hmm. even though I obviously manage them exactly the same way the only differences being ADTs super portfolio is limited to ASX 300 stocks yeah and there have been lots of periods in the last couple of years when I haven't been able to find anything to buy in the ASX 300 and I've been sitting in cash for long periods of time and the other difference obviously is um you know the sort of the just the timing and how long some of these things have been held for and uh, all of that kind of stuff, you know, timing of getting in and getting out. Some of the stocks in the dummy portfolio we've held for 
quite a long time. You know, they've just gone on to do better and better. Uh, like DU, DUR, Duratec is up like mm-hmm. 200% since we added it to the dummy portfolio, stuff like that. Uh, so that's the big question. I know your performance has struggled in the last couple of years. We've fo- we're all basically yep. following the same system. Brent's got a couple of uh, yeah. tweaks to it. But um, the big question, I guess, in my mind is why, if we're all following the same rules, more or less, are we getting such different results? Leaving Brett as an outlier for a moment, is mm-hmm. it ADT? Is it timing? Is it just, you know, combination of the two? Luck of when you get in, when you get out, what you buy? Uh, I know that you I, probably don't have any answers. I know. We, <laughs> I don't because if I did, I'd be changing my <laughs> performance as well. And you know we've done a lot of work on that. Yeah. About you know whether we're whether ADTs are um are the, are, you know are, are appropriate for us. Whether we're as a group now stepping on each other's toes as we buy and sell. Um, I I've been trying using a twenty percent stop loss rather than a ten percent stop loss. So uh, we I trade less, and that seems to be helping. Um, I know I know <clears throat> one of my shares in the last week went through its 10% stop loss, but I kept it and it rebounded. So hmm. um, I think the 20% is probably going to be working out better than 10%. Uh, but yeah, I, I can't, I can't, um, I can't say why. Uh, all, all I can think of is that whatever's Brent doing does add value to the process. So I'll definitely look at some of those things and, and see if we want to change our process as well. Mm. And then we'll all be like Brent and his returns will drop. <laughs> <down>. <laughs> yeah. There'll be a, there'll be a lag. Um, yeah. But yeah, the dummy portfolio is interesting. It does have a lot of, it does have some lower ADT stocks. Like you said, your super is constrained to mm. ASX 300. My investing is constrained by my need for liquidity. So um, it could just be that this the last year or two, Large, you know, large cap value stocks haven't done as well as the market. And I wonder, just thinking it through, thinking about it now, I wonder if, um, you know, I did my rule one analysis. Well, not just rule one, my my sell trigger analysis on the light portfolio uh, a while ago, and it basically said that it didn't cost us anything. But I wonder if I isolated that to just high ADT stocks if it would show a mm-hmm. difference. I wonder if yeah, high ADT stocks uh, may suffer from our, say, rule one sell triggers more than lower ADT stocks. Yeah, quite possibly. And I guess the issue with that is, is, it, is that an ongoing thing or is it just a once-off? And um, I've never had problems with it in the past, so yeah. I suggest it's probably just you know the market cycle we're in at the moment. Yeah, the volatility of the last couple of years and um, yeah. Well, anyway, um, we don't have answers. You know, your performance for decades was strong. Mm-hmm. It's had a weak couple of years. Brent's doing well though. The, the dummy portfolio has mm-hmm. been doing reasonably well. Um, so it's uh, it's a head scratcher. Yeah, but we'll continue to evolve. I mean, we look, you know, like I said, we're um, I'm trialing twenty percent stop losses. Um, I've looked at Renko. I don't think it's the right thing to do, um, and I'll keep looking. And I'll I'll now set up some portfolios that highlight the importance of buybacks and some of the other things that Brent mentioned, and see if they're worth putting into our process. Yeah, 
Hey, by the way, mm-hmm. um, I, I was going to talk about this in After Hours, but I've been reading um, a collection of essays by Max Planck. You ever read any Max Planck? Uh-huh. I have not. Max Planck, um, as I'm sure most people know, one of the founders of quantum physics. Uh, the Planck length is named after him. It's the smallest length in measurement. Um, I was going to make a... Yeah, I was about to as well. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we won't go Continue, there. Continue, Mr. Planck. <laughs> <laughs> But uh, he's he, he's got a lot of great quotes. He he was he was very very uh, good with the quote. Um, one of his most famous is: "A new scientific truth does not triumph by convincing its opponents and making him making them see the light, but rather because its opponents eventually die and a new generation grows up that is familiar with it." Um, science advances one funeral at a time. <laughs> Similar light. <laughs> Um, yeah. When you change the way you look at things, the things you look at change. Okay. Yep. True. So that's profound. Yeah. And that gets back to my conversation yeah. or our conversation last week about AI and programming and coding. Now everything I see has changed because I'm now like, okay, I can I can write code and yeah, everything right. becomes a coding problem for me mm-hmm. now. But um, I like this one. This is the one I was going to mention that I thought was um, relevant for us. Uh, order demands classification. Yeah, that's that's a really good one, and that's I think the basis of QAV, isn't it? It's it's it, it'll be interesting to know how much of Brent's secret sauce is codable and how much is gut feel. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's obviously some things you said there that are that are codable, um, mm-hmm. but you know if we we can put those to the test and maybe if we get this new regression testing system built with Matthew's help, um, we might be able to you know do some mm-hmm. regression testing on that and see how it plays out. But uh, yeah, yeah, it reminds me of the old jo- um, the John no Peters anyway, Tom Peters, the um, business management guru who said you can't manage what you can't measure. Yes. Same sort of thing. <laughs> At Microsoft, we used to say, what gets measured gets uh, managed. Yeah. What gets okay. what, what gets measured gets done, I think it was. What gets measured gets done. Okay. Yeah. Mm. Alex, of course, suffers from the curse of knowledge when she talks to us about art. Yes. Hello, Alex. Welcome Hi, Alex. to the show. Hello. <laughs> Thank you. Well, I have to say my captive audience is quite polite when I do start going on about art. So, <laughs> Well, it's interesting. It's good, isn't it? It's a good subject to talk about at dinner parties. Yeah, or when we're at the Louvre on a oh, it's just, podcast. Trip. It's one of the highlights of my life is going through a an art gallery with you. It's like getting a personal tour. It's fantastic. Yeah. yeah. I remember I when we were walking yeah. around the Louvre. How are we going to finagle the – yeah, we need to somehow figure out a QAV Europe trip. 2025. 2025. Yeah, okay. Not 2024. We can't like make it this year. It has to be, you want to kick it out of year? Yeah. 
Enough time to plan, you know. Unfortunately, the the most natural QAV trip is to Omaha in in May. (laughs) (laughs) Well, they do have an air and space museum there, but no art galleries, I don't think. Not not that I know of, anyway. May not be anyone to go see in Omaha in May, you know. Yeah, it's going. We're already fifty percent down. What have you been up to this week, Alex? I had an interview this morning, and then we've been moving. We got keys to our new place. This morning, so lots of things happening, and of course, I got sick last night. No. <laughs> but otherwise, it's been oh, fine. What kind of sick? Nothing bad. <laughs> I tested, and I'm all good. But um, I think just run down right. happens. All the conistons are moving at once. What's going on? Yeah, it's genetics. <laughs> <laughs> genetic movement. We have a genetic move, a rambling gene. I'm reading that book yeah. you recommended from Billy Connolly at the moment, Alex, The Rambling Man. Oh, you yeah. did? Yeah, yeah it's, good. it's good. I That's forgot great. to give you the my version, but yeah. Go, Billy Connolly book? Yeah. Yeah, came out last year called The Rambling Man. I listened. It's about his life running, walking around. Oh right, because I I listened to the audio book that he narrated of his his bio a couple of years ago, windswept and interesting. Um, yeah, that was his last book. Right, this one. I didn't know he had another one out. Oh, I gotta gotta grab yeah. that. I love listening to Billy yeah. tell his stories. Oh yeah, that was why I grew my hair long. That was after I listened to his uh, podcast. Right, his podcast, windswept his audio book. Yeah, yeah. I thought this is my last chance, probably to. Grow my hair as long as Billy. <laughs> <laughs> Try and be a little bit more windswept and interesting. Yeah. Well, good luck with the move, yeah. Alex. I hope it goes smoothly and I hope you're feeling Thank better. You. Do you have a question from a listener for good. us this and week? Good luck with the interview. Good luck with the interview. Oh, I'll have you. a go. I think it went well. No, yeah. Good. It's for a gallery, so it's kind of ideal if yeah. it works oh, yeah. out. Perfect. Yeah. yeah. Mm. Yep. Um, I've got another question from Angus. I think I read Angus's question last week. Yeah, you must have liked it. He's um, back for more. <laughs> yeah. So, <laughs> Angus says, hi, Cameron. Thanks for a great year of content. One small side note, GrainCorp, ASX GNC, has been on the buy list. You have given it commodity status looking at the wheat price as a buy or sell. I don't think the price of wheat is a real driver of GNC profitabil- profitability. They are not a producer of wheat. They are a bulk handler, so they receive cereals and oil seeds from producers, then on-sell domestically and internationally. The bigger profit driver for them will be the size of the harvest in Australia. The greater the tonnage of commodities they handle and trade, the better it is for them. A rising wheat price may help the bottom line at times, but may also mean they're paying more for the underlying commodity. Just thought I'd pass it on. I'm a wheat grower who has supplied grain corp in the past. They no, no longer have a facility near us. Cheers, Angus. Wow, Angus is the expert here. Yeah, um, yeah. Thanks for the question. Oh, we did. The, I did the pulled pork on Grain Corp, and I think we've had this discussion during the pulled pork um, about whether we should be using the wheat futures price or not. And I think we, you know, it was a fifty-fifty call. We weren't. I think I think I side with Angus about Grain Corp, and they, you know, they move things in volume, so volume is going to drive their share price probably as much as price. Um, so I completely. Incur with Angus. However, the same, I think what convinced us then and still convinces me now is if you go into Stock Doctor and chart GNC share price for the last five years, it correlates almost, it's so close, it could almost be one to one with the wheat futures W hash. Um, so I think that 
swayed us last time, and I think it sways me again now that, you know, for whatever reason, whether, as Angus says, um, you know, as as the price goes up, you know, somehow Grain Corp get a better margin perhaps when they buy, pay more when they buy, but pay a lot or get a lot more when they sell, or whether, you know, perhaps farmers plant more when the price is high. I don't know. I can't explain it. But yeah, there is a, a very strong correlation between the wheat futures commodity price and GNC share price. So I'm happy to leave it that way. Yeah, it's crazy when you look at them how closely yeah. they align, isn't it? Yeah. 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 So Angus, um, if you have any more info, please um, pass it on. You're you're far more knowledgeable on this than, than I am, but that's where we've got to last time we had a look and I'm inclined to stay there now. I'll take a screenshot of this and I'll uh, post it to the Facebook group so people can have a look. Thanks. Thanks, Tony. Thanks, Angus. Thank you, Alex, the Alex Angus. Uh, <laughs> so you're going to move two blocks up the road this week, uh, two blocks closer to St Kilda. Yeah, two blocks south, very specific. <laughs> right direction. <laughs> All right. Well, good luck with that and good luck with the uh, interview. Yeah, thank you. All right. See you, See next, you next week. week. I'll talk to you tomorrow. Thanks, Alex. Bye. Thanks. Bye. Bye. And that's the end of the free episode of QAV for this week. If you're a new listener, I just should let you know how this works. So we have a free episode every week. runs for about half an hour. We have a premium episode also every week. It goes for another 30 to 60 minutes, depending on how many questions we get. It's where Tony answers questions from our club members. If you want to check out the premium episodes and all the other benefits of being a QAV club member, which is access to the checklist and and the Bible and uh, the private Facebook groups and the other comms channels that we have, invites to the dinners, Zoom calls, etc., etc., sign up for the two-week free trial and check out all that stuff out. You can do that at qavpodcast.com.au. Look for the um, free trial button there. And if you like the idea of value investing QAV style, but don't feel like you have the time or resources to learn how to do QAV for yourself, think about signing up for QAV Lite. That's our relatively new service where we send you the stock tips every week. And then we also monitor those stocks in a portfolio. And if they become a sell, we email our QAV Lite members and tell them that it's time to sell that stock and what to replace it with. Check that out too. It's sort of a low effort way of doing QAV. Still better if you know how to do it yourself, I think, because Tony could get hit by a bus and then where are you? But while he's not, <laughs> we can do this. So check that out, qavpodcast.com.au slash light, L-I-G-H-T. If you don't want to sign up to any of those, just keep listening to the free episode. And if you have any questions, shoot me an email. You'll find that on our website too. All right, have a great week and good luck with your investing. The QAV podcast is a production of Spacecraft Publishing Proprietary Limited, authorised representative of AFSL 520442, AFS representative number 00129217182. Please don't make any investment decisions based solely on listening to this podcast. This is presented as general advice only, not personal financial advice. We don't know your personal financial circumstances. Please see a financial planner before making any investing decisions. Thank you.